It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. How many of you know what today is? It's, it's Sunday, yeah, Palm Sunday, that's right. And we want to take a little look at that, and uh, we're, this will be the, the last message in this series that we've done on getting to know him. And um, today we're going to look and we're going to get to know him in a, a little bit more uh, aspect of who he is, praise God. You know, uh, this is an interesting part. Jesus had, for many, throughout his ministry, he had told the disciples, he, he tried to play a low-key role, you know, really didn't um, want things to be too uh, expressive. He'd even tell sometimes when he prayed for somebody, he said, you know, no, don't, you know, don't go out here and go do this. You know, don't go out and, you know, telling everybody this or that or whatever. Just, you know, just kind of keep it low-key. Well, uh, that was over because he was coming back into Jerusalem and he'd been telling his disciples that, hey, he had to go to Jerusalem and that he had to be uh, crucified and, and to die. And they remember Peter's later on, even when they were after the dinner, he said, no, Lord, not you. That's not going to happen. We're not going to let it happen. And Jesus had to rebuke him. Well, yes, and it, it all starts uh, on this particular day. And so uh, there in Matthew 21, verse 1, let's just kind of follow down through here. We want to talk about this and we want to get to know Jesus in this aspect as he's revealing himself to uh, to the, the people and, and to Jerusalem that day and also to us as well. He says in verse 1, it says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet that says, say, say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks, uh, their cloaks upon them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Father, uh, we know that your word is blessed, but bless it to us today. Lord, help us, uh, give us the spirit of wisdom and understanding to look into your word and to apply it and to gain uh, insight into what we need individually and also collectively today. Holy Spirit, we know that you're the only one that can do that. Thank you for your word and how you reveal yourself to us, and we're excited for that today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Who is this? <laughs> That's what they said. Who is this? You know, you ever been... In fact, we were driving um, up 35 right in front of the Nolan Ryan Center there, and man, cars and everything the other night. And I said, "What? What's going on? What's What's happening? You know, you ever go by something, and or maybe you see somebody doing something? Who is this? Who is that? What's going on? You know? Well, Jesus had drawn such a crowd that the whole city was like, "Man, who is this? Who is this?" They were wanting to know. 
And so well, some were quick to tell him, you know, this is um, Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And so there was all kinds of stuff that was asked of him. So let me ask this to, to you today. Who is this? Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Uh, I think it was interesting. I was looking at some polls from the, the, the um, Barna uh, polls, not Gallup, and they have some also. But, uh, and they'd asked the question, who do Americans say he is? Who do Americans say he is, speaking of Jesus? And, um, and it says here, it says that there was three popular American perceptions of Jesus based on this, um, this poll that Barna um, sent out. And the first is that the, the vast majority of Americans believe that Jesus was a real person. So that's good. 92% of people believe that Jesus was a real person. And that, um, uh, but then there's others that says that while percentages dip slightly among younger generations, only 87% of millennials agree that Jesus actually lived. Americans are still very likely to believe the man, Jesus Christ, once walked the earth. How many of you believe that Jesus was actually here? He physically came and he walked the earth. Amen. You're part of that 92%. I think it's 100% here. Yeah. The second thing that on this poll that they found out, it said that younger generations are increasingly less likely to believe Jesus was God, was actually God uh, incarnated. It says 56% believe that Jesus was God. 26% say he was only a religious or spiritual leader like Muhammad or Buddha. 18% say they aren't sure whether Jesus was divine or not. Uh, Millennials are the only generation among whom fewer than half believe that Jesus was God. 48%. Wow, what's happening in our society? What's happening? You know, we see the different generations and it's less and less and less believe that, you know, yeah, this Jesus, I, yeah, I guess he was somebody, you know, in history they wrote about him, but I don't, he was just a teacher or just like anybody else. The third thing it says is that Americans are divided on whether Jesus was sinless. Remember, there's some movies that come out and um, can't think of all the different names right now, the Da Vinci Code and some different things that tried to portray Jesus in a different way. They even married um, uh, Mary Magdalene and, and different things like that, you know. But it says that Americans are conflicted on whether Jesus committed sins during his earthly life. 52% of Americans agree, either strongly or somewhat, that while he lived on earth, Jesus Christ was human and committed sins like other people. Hmm. Of course, the Bible says that he was sinless and he lived a sinless life so that he could pay the price for our sins. Then it kind of sums it up and says, overall, roughly two out of five Americans... Two out of five Americans have confessed their sinfulness and professed faith in Christ. Um, then the Barna group said they classify them as born-again Christians, but that's two out of five. So what is that, 40%, something like that? Only 40%. Millennials are less likely. not picking on the millennials today. I didn't do the survey. I'm just, you know, I'm just the mailman. I don't write it. I just deliver it. Millennials, it says, are less likely to believe that Jesus is the path to heaven than uh, our other generations. Among millennials who have made a personal commitment to, to Jesus, only 56% say they believe they will go to heaven because they have confessed their sins and accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. So, you know, it's kind of getting less and less are people believing that Jesus was the Son of God. That he was actually here, first of all, then that, that he was the Son of God, that he lived a sinless life, and that if you accept him, receive him, that you're going to go to heaven. Wow. The gospel, the good news. Seems like it's being diluted, right? 
Hmm. So, you know, there's, there's a whole lot more here in this survey about, you know, is Jesus really the only way to God? And, um, you know, there's this smorgasbord, if you will, of uh, religious thinking that kind of brings it all together and say, you know what? I mean, there's a lot of ways to God. There's a lot of paths to God. I mean, you know, yes, we believe there's a supreme being, but Jesus is just one way. I mean, you know, he was a prophet like Muhammad or whatever, so there's a lot of different ways. But Jesus himself said, I am the way. I'm the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so people are rejecting that more and more and more. Um, Eckhart Tolle in 2005 wrote a book, uh, This New World, or, and um, talking about um, various things. He became Oprah's, uh, she said, his, her greatest spiritual leader. It's a sad thing because um, he says that, um, there's a couple of quotes, I don't have them with me today, but he says, you know, don't uh, get hung up on this, um, you know, thinking that, uh, that on the old rugged cross, you know, that everything happened there. And, and um, you know, Oprah actually made the, the comment about, you know, uh, it's not about believing, it's just about feeling, you know, that you, you kind of just know that, um, you know, that, that there's hope. And that what it is is that there's hope for eternity. That everybody's going to, you know, enter into a bliss and eternity. And it doesn't matter how, as long as you just... As long as you know you're expecting that, and don't worry about it. You know, it's already, it's, you can enjoy it now. Um, watering it down. In the future, in the weeks and months to come, we're going to talk a little bit about some, we have a little section on prophecy. And um, when the, the Antichrist appears on the scene, along with him is another beast that comes up out of the sea, which speaking of like out of the world system, and he's known as the false prophet. And uh, will lead the religious, begin to bring all the religious system together and in like one area. Just like there's a one world government, there will be a one world religious system. And boy, it's happening. It's getting closer and closer and closer. It's under the guise of tolerance and um, openness and, and acceptance. And uh, be careful. You know, uh, Oprah is locked up uh, again with Eckhart Tolle and they're doing some things so you can go on her she has a podcast that talks about this, and they talk about these things, and it sounds real nice, but, boy, when you listen to it, it's, um, it's a scary thing because, you know, Jesus is not the only way, according to them, you know, uh, that you don't have to confess your sins. If you're thinking that there's sin, then that, all that does is weight you down. There's really no sin. That's what they say, not me, right? How many of you think you've ever seen sin? <laughs> Yeah, and that you think that, yeah, I think there's a real possibility that there might, you know, sin really is a thing. It really is a thing. Well, it is a thing. And we need to know who Jesus is. You know, who is this? Who is this? He was raising quite a stir. He came into the city, and it's interesting, some things about this story. He comes in riding on a, on a donkey that had never been ridden on before, and uh, people are throwing down their garments and, and palm branches out in front of them. And, you know, what all is going on here? Well, you know, who do men say that he is? Who do they say he is? Well, first of all, let's go back and say, who did he say he is? Just in this little story. We don't have to go into a lot of depth, but who does he say he is? Back there in verse uh, 3, when Jesus is sending his, his disciples in for, to get this, the donkey, he says, uh, and if anyone asks anything of you, tell him, that the Lord needs him. 
Now, what's interesting about this, this statement, the Lord, when he says the Lord needs him, do you know what the word Lord, I mean, of course, when, in the English Bible, it's just, it's just spelled Lord, and we don't see Yahweh or Jehovah there in the, in the explaining. But in this passage, he's saying the same thing that when God told Moses, when Moses said, well, who do I tell him that sent me? He says, tell him, I am sent you. You are. You know, I am. In other words, that's enough. My dad used to, I'd ask him a question, and he said, because I said so. I hated that. Uh, okay, is that it? You know, we can't learn anymore. And you didn't ask any other questions. How many of you were raised in that type of generation? Our time out was how much time we were knocked out on the floor if we asked too many questions. Like, well, what's going on? Because I said so, you know. Um, there really wasn't any need for anything else when he says, just tell him I am, which means the superior, um, the, the, the master of everything, the, the superior of everything over all things, over the universe. The Lord, Yahweh, is how it brings in. Yahweh, not your way, but Yahweh. He's the one that causes all things to come into existence. That's what Yahweh means. You know, he is El Shaddai, not El Chipo. I mean, he is the king of, he's the king almighty, almighty God. It's what is the master, uh, the one that owns it all. So we just say, you know, if anybody asks you, well, who sent you? Say the one that owns everything, even this donkey. I mean, you know, Yahweh, uh, the Lord sent us to get this donkey. And, and the guy said, oh, well, then, you know, what do I have to say about it? Because he already owns it. They recognized that uh, when he said the Lord or Yahweh, with the, the meaning there in their language of the supreme being that owns everything has sent me to get this donkey. Right? Wow. So they knew what was going on. So that's who he said he was. I am. I am. So, you know, so, you know, you got another question. Well, I mean, what am I going to do about such and such? Who do, who do I need to go to? I am. I'm the one you need to come to. I'm the one that's going to supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. I'm the one that's, that's the healer. I am the one that's the provider. I am the shepherd that goes. I am your righteousness. I am, am the one that sanctifies you. I am. I am the healer. Re remember, we saw all these names the second week in this series when we saw the, the different Jehovah banners. And there's a whole lot more to his name because he says, I am. I am everything that you need. Do you know him in that capacity today? Wow. Um, the second thing, okay, so we can go and see who does Jesus say that he is? Well, the second thing is who does the word say he is? The word of God. What does the word of God say? There in, in um, verse 4 there, Matthew 21, it says, This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. And he's talking about uh, uh, Ezekiel there where he proph or, uh, prophesied. Um, says, say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle, riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. And so, uh, it, Zechariah, did, what did I say a while ago, Ezekiel? Never mind. But it's, uh, but yeah, or, or Zechariah 9, 9, it also, where it says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. You know, he was, he was coming into the city on this young, young donkey, and it was a sign of peace. Uh, he wasn't coming in on a war horse. 
saying, you know, having to take control and say, you know, hey, there's war going on and I'm, you know, I'm ready for this. He came in saying, hey, just chill. Don't worry about anything. I am. <laughs> I am peace. I'm the Prince of Peace. And so he came in giving assurance like, wow, he's representing peace. Um, you know, again, he didn't come in on some wheeled vehicle like, you know, a chariot coming into the city or anything like that. He came in on the, this donkey that, uh, you know, uh, this young donkey and, and showing again that he was, um, uh, he was meek in the sense that all the power and the authority that he had, it was under control and he was, uh, he was gentle and, and uh, saying, look, I'm pronouncing peace. Um, again, so he, it fulfills this <clears throat> that uh, scripture that that's given there, and so that they would they should have put it all together, but somehow or another they missed it. Now a lot of people they saw it oh right, and they were looking for a king to come. They were looking for somebody to come in, and they would have really liked it if he would have came on that war horse, you know, to put Rome out because they were really so frustrated that they had been under Rome's thumb and, and dominated and and uh, you know ruled over by them. They were ready for the king, the Messiah. Uh, so they were looking for a king, but Jesus came as the king. <laughs> he said, well, you're looking for a king, but I am the king. You know, you're looking for just somebody to help out, but I am. <laughs> you know, the supreme of all things has come. Uh, so the third thing we look at, we, we look and see, well, what did Jesus, who did Jesus say he was, and who does the word of God say he was? Well, who do the people say? What were they, they saying? They're in the eighth verse of chapter 21 of Matthew. It says a very large crowd spread their, their cloaks on the, the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowd that uh, went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. What is that? That Hosanna is a Hebrew expression that just means save us now. <laughs> save us. Deliver us. Save us now. And it became a, a word of praise, you know, of uh, crying out to the Lord, put together with Hosanna uh, in the highest. Hosanna, son of David. Uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Taken from Psalm 118 and verses 25 to 26. That uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, okay, he's coming in the name of the Lord, but he is the Lord. He is, he had told his disciples, I am. And he'll tell them, I am has sent you. So they were saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, but they were still not seeing quite the Lord, right? And he says, Hosanna in the highest. They were giving praise because they were excited and they were seeing him as the king. Um, you know, a couple of things here indicate his kingship, uh, the kingship of Jesus. First, again, that they laid their, their clothes on the road, and that was a ritual done when a king would ride into town. That was one of the things that they would do, you know, kind of to show honor to him. And um, they would also say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, you know, that God's honored him and has set him in place. So they shouted that out. Uh, in Luke's gospel, he uh, gives the account there that uh, that. that you know, he's the only one that uses the word actually with, with king in it and, and the phrase uh, saying, you know, the king has come. And so the people were realizing that, uh, that Jesus was a king. That's who they were looking for. And they said, hey, he's here, our king. Remember when the disciples came and said, Lord, will you at this time restore your king, the kingdom to Israel? And they were looking for a kingdom. But he came with a, a kingdom. <laughs> Isn't that the way we are sometimes? We, we just see so small and God's saying wait a minute but I've got I, you know 
exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you're able to ask or think. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's what I do. That's what I do. So they were crying out king, and they were looking, and they thought, you know, he's going to restore the, the kingdom of heaven, you know, here, because they'd been promised that, that the Messiah was going to come and set up his earthly kingdom and, and rule over uh, with, with Jerusalem, rule over the, the earth. And that's what they were looking for, is, yeah, get us out from underneath this, you know, these Romans. Um, kind of like the way I used to always, hey, I'm, I'm looking for Jesus to come. I want rapture to happen to get me out of this, all this mess and this life of hardship and everything like that. I remember one time I was like, yeah, Lord, just come. You know, I'm tired of this. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm tired of all this mess and this world that we're living in, you know, and I just can't wait for you to come. He says, yeah, well, you're just looking for me to come and get you out of that mess. You, you really, you know, is that all that you're looking for me for? And I thought, well, I love you. He goes, oh, you do? <laughs> we just want him to do something for us. We want him to save us now, deliver us now, get us out of this mess now, you know, so I can have something better. Well, that's good, but, you know, uh, that's the only reason that they were really looking for him. They wanted a king now because Sunday, this was Sunday, Palm Sunday. Sunday they were, they were crying out, uh, Hosanna uh, in the highest. And on Friday they were crying out, crucify him, crucify him. People have short memories. You ever notice that? <laughs> People have real short memories. You do something for them and three or four days later, man, they're ready to kill you. <laughs> I mean, they really do have a short memory. They forget all the good stuff that you've done for them, especially kids, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, here they're crying out, Hosanna, you know, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And then they're over here, crucify him, crucify him, you know. He let us down. He didn't come to deliver us. You know, we didn't get out of what we wanted. He just came, I don't know what he's doing, just crucify him. And wait for the other king to come. Wow. Hmm. So, you see, that's how nearsighted we are. That's how we miss things because we're usually looking with that thought of what's in it for me. So they were crying out. They thought, this is it. This is it. He had just uh, raised Lazarus from the dead, and they'd had this uh, celebration. You know, they had this big dinner, and people were coming from all over. So that was part of the crowd that was going with him on into Jerusalem. And so they were excited. Yeah, man, you know, he's raising the dead. This is our king. This is our king. He's coming. Won't be long. Well, we'll be showing them Romans who's who. <laughs> Is that it? Is that it? Do we just want to praise Jesus for what he does for us? You know, we're kind of like, hey, Jesus, you know, will you bring that to me? And, uh, and oh, while you're there, will you get that? And while you're down there, will you bring this to me? You know, it's kind of like we'll get him on the wrong end of the stick. We want him serving us instead of us serving him. And that's where they were. And that's why that so not too many days past that they were ready to crucify him. Wow, a king. They were cutting the palm branches and laying them down. And it was a symbol of victory. So they were like, they were ready. Yeah, man, victory. Well, it really was victory. When he came in, he was really saying, hey, man, this is it. You're going to get victory. But again, they weren't looking for victory. They were looking for victory. You know, they just wanted to get out from under the control of the Romans. And he said, man, I'm going to deliver you, set you free from everything. Whom the Son says free is free indeed. You know? And so what they were doing, in a sense, was really expressing, yes, victory. This is the one that's coming, and he's going to bring victory to us. They just didn't see victory as the cross. The cross didn't look like victory. Well, there's some things in our life, people, that, that might not look like victory when we're going through them, but, you know, it is victory. It, that's the victory. Wow, I've thought about that a lot. 
you know. And uh, so, you know, maybe going through a situation, a trial or whatever. And I'm like, Lord, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, what's going on here? This looks horrible. He said, no, it looks like victory. <laughs> no, it does. You know, are we looking at the same thing? It looks pretty horrible to me. He's, no, it looks like victory to me, you know. Wow, this looks like, you know, a next level. This looks like, you know, hey, this looks like success. This looks like you're entering into where I've called you to. Really? Hmm. And you had your eyes checked lately? <laughs> Are you seeing the same thing I'm seeing? Victory, that symbol of victory. And, um, you know, Jesus just fascinates all the people. They're just fascinated at him. And, and like, yes, they're so excited. Short-lived, short-lived. You know, Jesus still fascinates us. You know, some of the movies out today, The Passion of Christ, a Christian would know, but I don't know, very shortly it brought in like 300 million or something, just really a couple, first few days or something like that when that movie came out. But, um, you know, that, some things like that fascinate us. And, you know, around this time of the year, this season of the year, they'll play various uh, movies that have to do with um, Christianity or whatever and you know, man, we watch them, and, and uh, they say that Google, all the hits on Google for along this line really goes up during this time of the year because we're fascinated. Oh, wow, yeah, we find out about it. Who is this Jesus that everybody's talking about? Well, that's good, but, but what, are we, what are we looking for? Who is he to you? I think we need to check our motives. You know, I preached a message a while back. I said, you need to check up from the neck up, you know. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. I mean, we need to check ourselves daily because uh, what are our motives? Why are, we, why are we wanting him in our lives? Just to do something good for us and, or to check that off? Well, I'm just going to make sure that, you know, I got that spiritual 401k set that I, you know, got the eternity set. Well, what about now? What about now? When does it start? And the fourth thing there is, who do the Pharisees say that he is? In Luke's gospel... Chapter 19, you might have to turn over there, verse 39. It says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Um, so at one end of the spectrum, you know, everybody's shouting and everything else. And, and then the, the uh, Pharisees are like, rebuke them. They shouldn't be hollering out, you know, calling you king. They didn't want him to be king. And Jesus says, you know, hey, if, uh, if they keep quiet, verse 40, there in Luke 19, he, Jesus said, I tell you, he, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I heard a guy say one time, you know, I was thinking when they said uh, all of our electronics and amplifiers and PA equipments and stuff, there's a lot of uh, uh, those IC, which is certain crystals that they use, these crystals in there to help with, with all the electronics. And I thought, you know what? The stones are crying out. <laughs> Man, they're going through. Every time I say, you know, Jesus, every time I holler Hosanna on this microphone, it goes back through there and it goes through all those uh, integrated circuits and, and those crystals that are in there and the stones are crying out to Jesus. You know, if, if we don't praise him, who will? If we don't, who will? And so, you know, the, the Pharisees, they tell him to be quiet. That's all, you know. And he said, man, if they keep quiet, the, the stones, the rocks will cry out. Boy, it's a pretty sad thing whenever a rock out praises you. You know that? We used to sing that song um, back in the 90s. Um, um, I'm trying to think of who was it that came out with that. Anyway, he says, you know, um, the rocks cry out. What was it anyway? He said, you know, I'm not going to let, uh, ain't going to let no rock. Let me think about it. I ain't going to let no rock cry out. What was it? Yeah. 
ain't, ain't going to let no rock. I think that is the title of it. And that's why he said, I ain't going to let no rock out praise me. You know, I might have to leave it to that. When we stand before the Lord, you know, when he's looking to see how we did, he said, well, I'm going to tell you something, man. The rocks were praising me more than you were. You ever look at a rock? <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was walking my dog, going out and looking at around the trees and stuff. I had these rocks there and, and it's like, you know, I wasn't feeling too good. I had a little fall this, earlier this week, and, and I was kind of, you know, whatever. And, and Jesus said, so is that it? I'm like, what? You're going to let these rocks praise me more than you are? I'm like, they don't look like they're doing much. He says, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, you know. <laughs> so wait a minute. I'm not going to let no rock out praise me. Some looked like dead stone back, back sometime back in the 60s or 70s. They had those pet rocks carry them all around and yeah, that's an easy pet. You have to do nothing. It just lays there. The rock just lays there. Well, if the rock's just laying there and it can outpraise you, what about you? What about us? And so all creation declares that he is the king. Oh, he's the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of the earth. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. <laughs> Plural. Not just the king of a king. He's the king of kings, plural, of all kings. Every king here. You know, he's the king over all of them. He's the head of the heroes. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the prince of princes. He's the governor of governors. He's the king of kings. This is who he is. This is who Jesus is. You know, who is that? What's going on? What's happening? Yeah, you better ask because it's Jesus. So creation says that, you know, hey... This is Almighty. This is the Creator. He created us. So he says, you know, well, hey, if they don't praise me, even the rocks will cry out. So what is this? If he's the king, where's his kingdom? What is this kingdom? What is the kingdom of God? Now, there's some interesting study on that. We did, I think during the Bible school, we were sending out some things. That, and don't get, not to get confused, but the kingdom of heaven that the the nation of Israel was watching for was when Jesus, the, the Messiah, would actually come and set up his kingdom and rule over, you know, from there. The kingdom of God is that of, that rules over everything, all of creation. And, you know, there's a change in the Gospels of where it's like the kingdom of heaven has come, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is near, you know. And it was really near because if they would have, if the Jews would have accepted Jesus as the Messiah, as the king of kings, then the kingdom could have been set up right then. He could have set up his, his earthly kingdom and, you know, it would have come right in. Of course, it didn't happen that way because they missed him. And he was saying the kingdom of heaven is near. Well, then it changes like, hey, the kingdom of God has come to you today. Well, I, mean, I thought it was near yesterday. Now that was the kingdom of heaven. You know what? We're going to put that on hold because now then something better than the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God has come to you today. Well, what is, the king what is this kingdom? It's the redemptive rule of God. When God rules through the redemption that he has extended to all us, he's redeemed us, he set us free. The redemptive reign, I guess that's what I should say, not so much rule, but the redemptive, God's redemptive reign is the kingdom of God. Well, where is this kingdom? Where is it? You know, how did we get to it? Where is it? In the 18th chapter of John, verse 36, remember when Pilate was asking him about this. In fact, you know, Here's the interesting thing. Did you know that Jesus started out as a king and he ended his ministry as a king? When the wise men came, they were seeking the king. They said, hey, show us where this king is. We've come. We've seen this star. And they came to worship the king. And at the end, Pilate's saying, are you a king? 
He said, you say that I am. He said, well, then where's your kingdom? Well, you know, if my kingdom is not of this world, because if it was of this world, they'd all, all my servants would be fighting for me. But it's not of this world. In John 18, 36, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. And Pilate's going, huh? What? You got a kingdom, but it's not of here. All right. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, this guy is really flipped out. In Luke 17, verse 20, it says, Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come, uh, does not come with your careful observation. Now will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you within you wow so it's not so much of like the kingdom that they were looking for to set up and rule over this earth but he's saying huh now people will say hey the kingdom of god is within you it is why because here's it here's how simple it is wherever the king is wherever the king is that's where the kingdom is that's pretty cool we walk into a hospital and say okay lord we're just taking this into your kingdom now then, the king is here. We're his representatives. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're here. And you rule and reign in this place. Take every doctor, every attendant, every piece of equipment. Under your kingdom, you oversee it and cause it to work good for Brother Jerry when he's in here having us or, or whoever's in the hospital, you know. And, and it's got to work good for their good because now they're under a new leadership. What? Where's the kingdom? Well, right now it's at uh, Methodist Hospital because... God's there. He's overseeing because one of his, um, what do you call a person in the, in the kingdom? <laughs> one of his servants or one of his uh, citizens of that kingdom is there. So he's there. When the president goes to wherever he goes to, when that Air Force One sits down and when he's walking, wherever that is with his bodyguards and stuff around, that becomes, you know, his little slice of America or whatever. They take an embassy and they put it in a different country. But when you step into that embassy, you're stepping on American soil. What? How can it be over there? Because that's where the rule is. That's where the, the, the rulership is. Well, with the kingdom of God, wherever he is, wherever the king is, that's where the kingdom is. Wow. So have you ever thought about that? You know, well, I'm out here on my own and I don't know what's going to happen here and I don't like this place. And wait a minute, stop. And people say, oh, I don't know, that's some weird places over there. That's probably haunted and all this. Well, then just bring forth the kingdom of God. Amen. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Declare the kingdom wherever the sole of your feet shall tread. Hey, that's going to be the kingdom. Right, because, because I'm a kingdom vessel. <laughs> I, I'm a, I am a representative of the king. And so wherever I go, the kingdom goes with me. The kingdom is inside of me. And so I'm representing the king because I'm an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. He's, he's made us kings and priests unto him. So wherever I go, the kingdom goes. And so I need to release the kingdom and all of its authority in that situation or circumstance or that place or whatever. I've flown on airplanes and said, you know what? <laughs> um, we got to have to, I forgot to take this airplane into the kingdom of God. <laughs> We're flying from Mombasa to Nairobi. And um, that's when, I think y'all might have been there in Nairobi. We'd gone down to Mombasa, so we were flying back with Tony and Pam. And Tony, being a pilot, and what was it, he looks out and says, looks back to me and says, you see that 
that hydraulic fluid running down the, blowing down the wing. I said, Tony, no, I don't want to see the hydraulic fluid run. Don't tell me that when we're 30,000 feet in the air. <laughs> we we got to be like five foot off the air, <laughs> off the ground before we start looking for hydraulic fluid. And so, you know, and I looked out, sure enough, here it comes, you know, going down that wing. So he's, he got the, uh, one of the attendants' attention and tells them that maybe the pilot needs to come back there and look at that. And I'm saying, you know what, Jesus, you need to look at that. <laughs> we just take this airplane right now and we bring it into your kingdom. It might be a raunchy old airplane, but Father, I thank you that you can take it and you can cause it to fly. <laughs> you don't even need an airplane, you know. Uh, Philip, he was out there witnessing, and then you just caught him up, took him over some other place. He didn't have an airplane. He didn't have a magic carpet or anything. He just, <laughs> so Lord, you just put your hand underneath there and just carry us on over to Nairobi. Whew. Yeah. I like, thank God for his kingdom that anything brought into his kingdom, he sustains it. He's the one that oversees it all. Wow. Walk around your house, declare that the kingdom of God has come here today. <laughs> you know, every place that the sole of your feet goes, that's where, you know, you might be living in an apartment complex and people are going crazy. Just walk around that sucker and say, wait a minute, uh-uh. Wait a minute, the kingdom of God is here today. He rules and reigns in this place it, you know, uh, a thousand might fall on my right hand and 10,000 on my left, but it will not come my dwelling. Why? Because I'm under, in the kingdom, I'm under his direction, his authority, his jurisdiction. So therefore, Jehovah Shalom rules with peace. He's ruling. Amen? I don't know, y'all, that would have been a good place to say, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're concentrating real hard. Wow. So where is this kingdom? It's there. Where? there just like he's jehovah shamak was it he jehovah is there where wherever he needs to be <laughs> wherever you need him to be he is i am so he's i am meaning he's whatever <laughs> anything and everything and he can be anywhere in any place and he can rule and reign anywhere any place anytime nothing restricts him oh boy I don't, we've seen some tough times but boy this is really tough what's up with that he is i am Nothing is beyond him. Um, so wherever the king is, there's where the kingdom is. You need to remember that. Well, every morning I pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, I thank you that your kingdom is coming. I thank you that my kids right now, they are surrounded by the kingdom. They can't get away from the kingdom. The kingdom of God is there. It's with them. Father, you take up and you take charge. Your will be done. Nobody else's will. Your will be done. Here on earth, as you've already declared it in heaven, let it come and let it be manifest here. People, amen. We gotta, when you pray, you need to pray with kingdom authority. Amen. You are a representative. You are an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be wimpy. You, you declare that the kingdom is set in. In fact, that washing machine, washing machine, you're in the kingdom of God. <laughs> you've got to work, you know. If not, we're going to replace you because the kingdom is going to send out and get us another one. <laughs> According to his riches and glory, not ours. Amen. Hallelujah. I got a, how big is that? We got a, this huge television. It's like a, I mean, it's big. It's got the curve to it. It's a, it's a Samsung. It's got the curved arch. And this thing is huge. I mean, if I'm sitting here, it's like all around me. And uh, I don't know, those things are expensive. And right during the flood, they were having whatever, some inventory, this and that, whatever. I think the box might have got a little bit wet or whatever. And, uh, well, you know, we can't guarantee it, but, I mean, if you want it for like $250, uh, sure. I needed a television because all mine got flooded. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't have to have it, but if I'm going to have one, why not have one? 
I'm thinking TV. And God said, no, TV. I can do like this. If you sit real close, you can just look around, you know. And so I was like, well, praise God. 250 bucks. Yeah, that's about where my budget was for, for something like that. Christian come by there and I said, man, I love that television. It's got that 4K or something like that. I don't know. It's, it's like so bright and so precise. It's like, wow, wow. The kingdom of God. That's his television. It's his place. It's his house. It's whatever. Lord, I'm just here to man. I'm just a steward. I'm just here to, you know, watch over and to do and take care of this stuff. The king, the king. Oh, man, we need to worship him. So the king is wherever the king is. That's where the kingdom is. Luke chapter 10, verse 9. Jesus said, heal the sick uh, who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. He says, heal the sick, you know, while you're there. And then just tell them, well, you know, the kingdom of God is here. It's near because so since the kingdom of God is near to you, we've taken this under his jurisdiction, so be healed. Wow. What made a difference? The kingdom of God had come. Wow. So, you know, it was near to them. Well, if they weren't a believer, because, you know, people can get healed and not be a believer. In fact, a lot of times those that aren't get healed more than those that feel like we really need it. But uh, because he works it to just amaze them, it's near. But you know what? You can have it by receiving the king. And when the king comes in, then the kingdom of God is within you. Wow. We're to be servants of him. Well, when is this kingdom? I mean, when does it start? When does it start? Well, you know, when we get to the sweet by and by. When does the kingdom of God start? In John chapter 3, verse 3. Remember that chapter? That's a good chapter. When, you know, they're just kind of settling in for the evening. Here comes uh, one of the Pharisees sneaking through the night. And it's Nicodemus looking for Jesus. You know, hey, can I talk to you? (laughs) He didn't want to be seen by anybody else because he was talking to Jesus. And and he's like, you know, hey, what I need, I'm paraphrasing, what I need to do for the kingdom. And and Jesus says in verse 3, he says, uh, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. He said, man, you might as well hang it up. You can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. How can a man be born again? Can he enter back into his mother's womb? No, he says, you know. And so Jesus begins to tell him. And, of course, we get down to verse 16, and that's where he says, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the king, that whoever believes in him is not going to perish but have everlasting life in this kingdom of God. I'm, I'm adding some here with kingdom, you know. We have everlasting life because we're in the kingdom, and the kingdom never passes away. So it starts at the instant of salvation when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ. The king comes in and you become a king's kid, right? <laughs> and, and so you become part of the kingdom of God. And so now you rule and reign here. We rule and reign with him every day when I get up. I need to throw palm branches out because I want to, okay, I'm walking in victory today. You know, um, We need to say, you know what, I am walking in victory because the king is with me. He goes before me. He encompasses me round about. He's sent forth ministering spirits, angels who would there to minister to me because I'm an heir of salvation. I'm an heir of deliverance. I'm I'm heir of this. You remember they were saying, save us now, Hosanna, save us now. I'm an heir of that. And he sends angels to watch over me. And he, he leads me, guides me. The Holy Spirit is present to guide me into all truth. If I just surrender and lay back, man, it's better than those Teslas that are now, you know, autopilot, just, just drive. They said on those Teslas that they're going to be, when they... 
you know, pass all this stuff. You just pull out your key. You go to the mall, and when you get finished, you just pull out your key and hit it, and here it comes, like Silver used to do for the Long Ranger. You just come up and pull right there, and you just get right on in. Say, okay, uh, take me home, and you go, okay, and it takes you home. Wow, pretty amazing, huh? You know what? I mean, if we just chill, if we just lay back, let the Holy Spirit direct us and let who the Lord has put around us to help us, uh, then all we've got to do is just enjoy the ride. we just got to enjoy the ride and make sure we're watching and we're declaring the kingdom of God wherever we go. He's the king. Do you know him today as the king? Yeah, you know, maybe you've known him as Savior. Maybe you've known him as Lord. Maybe, as we talked last week about the bridegroom, but, you know, know him as king. I want to tell you, it'll change your life the way that you look at things. How dare, boy, there's times like, how dare you, Satan, come into the, you're trespassing on, on God's property. This is the kingdom of God. Pack up your stuff and get out of here. You know? Uh, he doesn't, he, I'm not taking anything that he has. His, I've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness in Colossians, and I've been transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son, whom he loves, <laughs> in case the devil forgot. You know? And uh, so I'm in another kingdom now. So it starts at the instant of salvation. That's the present kingdom, and there's a future kingdom as well. You know, one day we're going to come back with him. It says in Revelation that we come back. He's when he gets on that horse. Now he's coming on a horse, and it talks about his how he's dressed, and and we come back with him to establish his earthly kingdom now, where he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years over this earth. We'll rule and reign with him. And then after that, we're going to establish this kingdom that, that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and we'll rule and reign with him there. The Apostle Paul said, if we suffer with him, we will also reign with him. Well, praise God, i got a lot of reigning to do. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's a promise to us. Amen? And then remember where Jesus said in, in Matthew six thirty three. that's when he was, he was teaching them how to pray in, in the sixth chapter of Matthew. But he goes on to say there in verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Why? Because you're part of the kings. You're in the kingdom, right? When a president becomes president, he takes his family there with him. You know, they come in and there's the White House and and you don't worry about, well, you know what, I guess we probably better figure out what we're going to eat tonight and uh, I don't know, we're going to have time to go to the grocery store. Don't worry about it. It's all taken care of. All these things will be added to you. You know? And and that's why Jesus was telling me, hey, if he takes care of the sparrow, don't you think he's going to take care of you? Don't worry. Don't worry about it. We get to worry, and, and then that means that we're not trusting the king. We're not trusting his authority and his provision and, and what he has for us. Do you know him today? Come on, get to know him as a king, part of his kingdom. Hallelujah. Will you do that? Will you promise to do that? I want to pray for you this morning. And I want you to let the king come in. If you've never received him as your Lord and Savior, maybe you know about him, you know, hey, uh, that's the prophet, that's the teacher. You know, he did a lot of good things while he's here. Maybe you know of him, you Googled him, and you found out all the stuff there is to know about Jesus. But, hey, wait a minute, don't you know him? If you don't know him personally, then you really don't know him in that degree. Like I said last week, yeah, I know Donald Trump. When I see him on TV, I, I know him, but I don't know him. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know him. He wouldn't know me from anybody else. So we, there's a difference in knowing, recognizing somebody by, you know, kind of like we know about them 
and then saying, man, hey, let's do that again. Let's, let's, uh, let's get together again, man, and have some fellowship. Yeah. We're going to get together. We're going to have a bowling. Whenever that is, we're going to go bowling. Yeah. We're going to get to know a lot more. We're going to get to know each other a lot more, right? Because you're having fellowship one with another. So do you know him today as your Lord and Savior? Have you received him? Have you realized that he really did live a sinless life? Jesus didn't sin. He was tempted, it says, in all ways, just like we are, but yet without sin. That's what the Bible says. Man, he did it. Nobody could live that perfect life that God needed, that God required, but Jesus did. And so God says, man, I accept his, I accept his life, I accept his sacrifice for your sacrifice. I take what he did, and I, I just credit your account. You're no longer in debt to me. That's all wiped away. You're not on parole. You're not on, it's all gone. Everything's expunged off of your life. Man, it looks like some of y'all never had anything like that. I mean, just wipes it away. Wipes it away. What was it, Josh? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, just like wipes it away. What about a, don't they have card notes now for 84 months? 84 months. That's seven years. The seven-year tribulation. <laughs> You're going to have that car for seven years. First year and a half's okay, but man, pretty soon when grandkids have spilled stuff in you, like something in here, we've got to find whatever this is. This is something in here ain't supposed to be in here, and, but you still got 70-some months of payments. That's a long time, you know. Wow. But what if somebody came in and just said, okay, it's all taken care of. It's all erased. What? Seven-year payments? All oh, race? Yeah, and you get to keep the car. What? I don't want that car. <laughs> no, no. That's the way most of us are, right? <laughs> Can I have another one? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> you were just forgiven, so enjoy that. <laughs> but he just wipes it away. What about he did that for our life? We were in debt. We, we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. And Jesus paid a debt that he didn't owe. And God accepts that for each one of us. And he declares that we're righteous now. We're in a right relationship with God because of what Jesus did. Do you know him? Hey, this is Pastor Paul Golden. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe, rate it, and review. Also, you can help us to reach others by investing today at lightchristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you for joining us on LCC's podcast. God bless you and have a great day.